0: Listening to Hope Alive, your number one online, online Christian, Christian radio station. It's a minute before we step over into laying down the law, and I'm super excited to have this conversation that we will be having because I know you will find it to be insightful, and you will find it to be helpful. Uh, joining us on the line to unpack... The National Youth Policy, which I believe every young person should know about, but it's okay if you don't, because we are here for you. Mr. Tamsang Amasinghe is joining us on the line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing this morning?
1: Uh, good morning, good morning, sir. How are you?
0: I am great. Are we are grateful that you could make time and just be part of the show to unpack this important policy for us.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for uh, welcoming me on the show, and thanks for having me on the show. And good morning to your listeners and your team. And yeah, let's do this, man.
0: Great stuff. So let's get right into it. The National Youth Policy, um, what is it and why does it matter?
1: Okay, so essentially, like any other policy, um, the National Youth Policy stems from issues identified that exist among young people and also comes up with a sort of a blueprint into how to address these issues, right? So, for instance, is the current national policy, which I think is the third one since the inception, right? So the current one is from 2020 um, to 2030. It has identified seven challenges that persistently affect young people, essentially, right? And these range from high dropout rates and low transition from schoolwork, as well as low skills levels and skills match. Um, pandemic, youth unemployment, and, and uncapped cultural and creative industries, just to mention a few, right? And just to give practical examples to some of these issues, so when we talk about high dropout rates and low transition from school to work, we're effectively talking about, in January, um, mm-hmm. every year, we'll celebrate about a million young people or a million children going into grade one. Mm-hmm. But a few weeks before that, NG was giving us that as to about three hundred thousand young people matriculants wrote their exams, but if you think about it in grade one, you have a million, mm-hmm. right? So what happened in between? That's a huge dropout rate, right? So mm-hmm. if you consider that from grade one up until grade one, grade twelve, there's mm-hmm. huge, um, there's a huge discrepancy in terms of the number of people who make it to matric, you know, and mm-hmm. certain things can 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 play a factor, right? Things like debt can be a result. Um, and then there's also dropping out because the schooling environment is not suitable for the learner per se or the learner is unable to continue schooling and has to take right. alternative uh, routes and so forth. But it is a concern that you have essentially, if we're saying 1 million and only 3, 300,000, essentially what happens to the other segment? So out of case, uh kids start grade one, where is the other segment, right? So those are some of the things we need to address. And also, you know, the that talk of um, transition from school to work, which is also difficult, uh, but not necessarily easy. So someone would either finish the a trip, um, they lack like the experience to get a decent job, right? Or they finish varsity, however, they are not equipped enough to actually handle the work environment. Yeah. So those are some of the discrepancies that we identified as a challenge that is affecting young people. Um, if you look at Harambi, it'll tell you that they also have challenges with keeping um, some of the people who go through their programs within the phase. I think there was a time when um, a simple thing as time, seeing on time to work was the hugest challenge for people who went through Harambi. right? So now you need to come up with strategies, you need to come up with programs that can actually address such challenges, you know, the issue of young people dropping out, the issue of young people not being able to adjust to the work environment. Sure. So, in essence, it's only partly by those challenges, and it comes up with um, the different programs. So, what it has right now is five pillars um, to address these particular challenges. Right. So, for instance, the first pillar is quality education, second, chances and skills. Mm-hmm. It used to be education skills and certain chances. But when we speak about education, we need to now look beyond just paying education. We need to be some form of quality to it. And you speak about quality, um, We need to also start at E C D level, even though it's difficult to use, but you need to start somewhere, you know, uh, yeah. starting they very young. So that's one of the pillars. The second pillar is uh job creation, um I think it's huge economy participation as well as um, entrepreneurship, right? Because we do have a huge um, unemployment issues in South Africa. Mm-hmm. The third one speaks to physical health and mental health as well as integrating against pandemics. Right? So COVID-19 is what is that we need to be able to adjust in certain issues where we either have a pandemic or an endemic. An right? And then the fourth one is you know, social cohesion and nation building. Essentially, how do we get South Africa to be one united front and build a united South Africa, right? There's so many things that divide us every country. Historically, we've um, got things like race, tribalism, uh, and currently, kind of, we have things like unemployment classes and so forth and so on, right? And then the last one is... Uh, an effective youth development missionary, right? So how do we professionalize youth work There's a lot of people who work with young people hard, but how do we professionalize that to ensure that Mm -hmm. we bring out the best in young people, right? And the uh, the overall idea um, of the youth policy is to ensure that we have an empowered youth who is equipped with information, knowledge, and skills that enable them to either see the opportunity and Take, and effectively take responsibility in making a meaningful contribution towards the development of South Africa, all their respective communities, and themselves. Right? Mm. So, in a, in, yeah, in a nutshell, that is a national youth policy. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that this is just a government thing. Let me just show the window here. We make the mistake of thinking that it's a government thing, but it's really not. Uh, something that we all need to look into, It's something that we can look into. How do we contribute to this? Because juice right. are not a government problem youth mm. are not a government challenge um they exist outside of government and there's things that we can also do um to ensure that our society as a whole is a prosperous one right um outside of you know the confines of government so for me i would like to encourage people to realize that if this is something that we need to take up as a nation um whether you are in civil society whether you are in government or whether you are a
0: Sure. You have said so much. And I think when you gave the example or rather the statistic of, you know, the the number of grade one learners that we'll have at the beginning of the year versus the number Mm. of matriculants that we will have a couple of years later, which is like over a decade later... uh, the disparity is just way too much. You know, the the, the, the the difference is just way too much. And I also like the fact that you mentioned that the current national youth policy uh, is for 2020 to 2030. We have got eight years left, Tami. What's your observation? Can you hear me, Tami? Yes, I can hear you now. So I was saying that uh, this policy is for 2020, from 2020 to 2030. We have got eight years left. What is your oh. observation of um, the progress of the interventions that have been cited in the national policy being implemented um, on the ground?
1: It's um, quite slow, I won't lie. I'm in the, um, just last week, we were attending a capacity building workshop on the... Monitoring and evaluation framework of the national youth policy, mm. and then the implementation tool or the implementation framework, framework which is referred to as the integrated development strategy, was only approved um, this year, right? So both the framework, implementation framework, and the M&E framework were approved two years after um, the policy was actually approved by cabinet in twenty twenty March, right? Right. So I would say slightly slow. Um, but for the near sector, you've got the IYDS, which is the Integrated Youth Development Strategy, which has been approved for the first time, right? So with the previous youth policies, the strategy wasn't approved, right? So the implementation plan essentially wasn't approved by cabinet. So the holder, one of the holders, is the NYDA. Essentially, mm-hmm. if that is not approved, they are also at their, um, how do I put this? They added health help back in terms of mm-hmm. implementing the actual national the, the what you call the programs of the national EU policy, right but now if you've got the framework that has been approved you've got the mne framework that has also been approved by cabinet right? we're starting to make progress right and this is a 10-year policy which will be over evaluated in 2024 as well as in 2029 again right yeah. which i think for me uh we're moving beyond just trying to create um quick solutions but we're looking in terms of long term what does this look like? Um and if you look at the department of women youth and present living with disabilities, I would say they've made slight progress given that they are a small team. Uh, many mm-hmm. people don't know this, but for instance the youth director within the department that looks at this particular policy, it's a team of I think it's three or four. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so it's a very small team, but they've in terms of legislation they've been able to push for the nyda amendment bill to go through the process, the public participation processes again, right? Mm. Which is something that has been stagnant for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And in the last three or four years, they've been able to push for that. Um, we've seen the IYDS be approved by cabinet. We've seen the MND framework being approved by cabinet. We've seen the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation also playing a strong um, role in this, right? But now the key issue is just the awareness around the actual policy. So a lot of people don't know about the policy. There are, a lot of people don't know what the policy is trying to achieve, what is in the policy. And a lot of people mm-hmm. feel like that they didn't get the opportunity to contribute mm-hmm. towards the particular policy, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where institutions like the one that I work for, actually Change Drivers, right? Mm-hmm. This is where we also play a key role in terms of um, creating awareness and also creating understanding, right? right. And something we've been also doing over the last two months We in we've been Ding, mm-hmm. yeah, and we're looking into how we can take it to the different provinces um, and we're also formulating a relationship with the department to see how we can also you know, publicize this as well as create an understanding for this so that once those two are done there can be a sense of ownership from citizens it can be either civil society private sector, and it shouldn't just be in the hands of government. Like we all need to take ownership of this particular policy. If we all want to see an empowered youth, right, like we need to play a role in doing so, right? So to answer your question, the progress is slightly slow, but we are moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am optimistic in terms of seeing the light and at facing some of these issues, right? Um, if you compare it to things like the National Development Plan, I think with this one, there is more involvement with the general public than, than the National Development Plan 2030, right? Mm-hmm. We, um, we are way behind in terms of targets, in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, we are seeing progress. We are also seeing youth development institutions um, activate Youth Lab, uh, the Ahmad Katala Foundation. So yes, the yes. We are also, you know, pitching up the ball, playing a, a role in ensuring that People do know what the national youth policy is. And if that's the case, I think we just need to erode in the private, private sector as well to play a key role in this because it does cover, uh, it's a multi-sectoral policy that covers uh, you know, a lot of fields, a lot of, yeah, a lot of fields. It covers the education field. And with education, we're looking at private and public, you know. It also covers health, which looks at like private and public. So it does require involvement even from the media itself, right in terms of um, creating awareness. In this interview for one, creating awareness in terms of what is the national youth policy? Mm-hmm. Where can you get it? Um, how do you contribute to it? and how do you also keep government accountable? right Which institutions do you need to keep accountable? for one, it's the main holder is the Department of Women Youth and with disabilities. and then then you've got your the NYPA, which is also a key role player at this but you also have your provincial governments that also need to feed into this, right? So, for instance, Halting has created um, what you call it, the Halting Youth Integrated Strategy, and they've got this amazing youth advisory panel that is also taking ownership of it. This was formulated by the former premier, David Makura, put together a group of young people who have essentially inform and advise um, the Halting province in terms of the different youth programs and initiatives that they can take. Mm -hmm. Right, So um, they recently also, that particular advisory panel, got young people from across housing to actually contribute to the implementation plan, right? And we'd love to see it happening in other provinces as well. Um, And the nice thing about housing is also now they're seeking to have a portfolio of youth development, and women and youth development, which is something that we haven't seen um, for previous years and as well as other provinces. So there's slight progress and there's an ownership that's also coming out right. So obviously you're hoping that this will have a knock on effect, we'll start to see it in mm. other provinces. Um then ultimately we will achieve our super goal.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that, um, you've done capacity building workshops are Mm -hmm. young people interested enough to initiate the conversation. And by that, I mean, um, have you and your team come over and host this workshop or is it the other way around where you have to continuously rally young people up for such things? What is the interest and how are young people engaging?
1: Look, man, um, so last month, and last month, no, it's not last month, we're in November now, right? mm-hmm. so in September, um, I think it was the 27th of September, so we did a, a workshop on the National Youth Policy so we to and in the, in the workshop, we had youth from Thompsonville, Alex, and uh, Beachmeet, Beach, right, we did the workshop, right? it was fire, it was, you know, mm. you got young people amped up, right, mm-hmm. and after the workshop, the group from Alex so like, you guys need to bring this to our community. And next week we'll be having uh, the workshop again. So it's Activate Youth Lab and CSDR. We'll be having a workshop in Alex. We're just trying to finalize the venue and everything. Yeah. But it shows you when a group of young people from a different area, say bring it to our community, we want other young people to know about this. Mm-hmm. They see the value of it. They see the importance of it. Um, it shows you that if they are involved in the process, you know, they will want to be, they're informed about the processes and the policy itself, they will want to contribute towards it. But right? a lot of them said, "You know what? We um, would have loved to contribute to this." And it speaks to the fact that only eleven physical consultations were done by the department. But mm-hmm. there are people saying that we would have loved to also participate in the in know what you call this in the. The putting together on the consultations and the Mm. public policy and the public processes that lead up to um, the actual the ultimate policy, right? However, there's also an opportunity for us to also review and make suggestions, right? As I said earlier on, that they're going to be the E is going to do um, an evaluation in 2024. What we can also do is that to put together. Um, review sessions where we review the policy in itself and so we make suggestions so that that also inf- informs um, the evaluation that will be conducted by the Department of Planning, Monitoring, and Evaluation. Mm. So there is excitement for young people. There is also once they get to know about it, right? They, then it mm-hmm. is like, similar thing in KZN, right? And in KZN, one of the things they would like to know is it would be great if also we get this in our another time now our another time now and they are translation but is the are translation of the of the policy in the different languages so it's just engaging with the department getting copies and just sharing it with different people across the country in the different languages i mean when we went to northern Cape, we did share with mm-hmm. them people in the different languages right when we went to the r we shared in corsa when we went to africa uh to Rainbow, we said african bridge when we were in Kimberley and uh, Bambilistat, we shared the 6 one version, right? Mm-hmm. So there are different versions. It's just that we need to ensure that young people are aware of this. Once they are aware of this, they will, you know, warm up towards it, right? There is a notion that young people um, are apathetic, they are lethargic, um, they're not interested yes, in participating. Yes, they're
0: not interested. They don't want to participate.
1: But the thing is, man, is how are we engaging young people? Mm. That's, uh, that's one thing need to look into, right? right. Um, because we had young people showing up in numbers as election observers at the previous local government election Right. Yeah. Um, Activate had about 400 applications, 200 uh, young people who were actually participating as observers. Masquerada um, Foundation had about 50 young people. DDP, Golden had about the same number. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a number of institutions like, that have young people participating in processes. It's just that. Uh, we need to scale it up a bit more and we need to find we need to meet young people where they are essentially. Like we did an election vote show after elections to find out from young people why is it that they're not participate in elections. Right. An interesting feedback from Cooking and Rattenberg was that we wanted to register but the home affairs is not effective, but right? you can spend in two days you can spend mm. two days online trying to get an ID.
2: Yeah. What are the
1: requirements to get to register to vote in an ID? So you see that sometimes we make assumptions that the people don't want to participate, but the system in itself is not conducive enough, right? Or the information is just not there, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why Mm civic education plays a key role in ensuring that young people are aware of these processes, young people do know about things like the national youth policy Mm -hmm. and also how they can participate in the different processes, right? Things like Mm -hmm. an IDP within your local municipality, how do you inform the development of your own municipality and your own area, right? Mm. A lot of people do not know how to go about it and what the process is, right? So I think maybe civic education may play a key role in just creating that awareness. Absolutely. And also debunking that myth, myth, right? Um, And I think the other, on the flip side of the coin, is there are young people who, who have lost interest, Right. Who who are disillusioned by politics, who are also have fallen into the cycle of hopelessness, right? And this is because the environment that we find ourselves in is pretty much a difficult one. High unemployment rates, right? Uh A lot of disappointment by government institutions, a lot of promises made, promises not kept, Uh right? A lot of corruption, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Things, for for, for, for lack of a better word, things aren't just going well, right? And if we acknowledge the truth that if we fix the system, you can get a lot of people back into, you know, the processes mm. that we speak about, right? But if one, you expect me to continuously vote, but after each and every election, things continue to deteriorate, the problem about me, the problem is essentially the people who you are voting in or the people who have been elected and not representing the people who elected them in terms of expectations, right? So there's, there's different ways of looking at um, the participation factor. However, um I feel as if civil society can't be the only one to pay the, you know the burden of trying to create awareness right, right. Um, If you look at the different spheres of government, local provincial and national, they all have a public education office right and which their role is essentially to educate the community that they operate with.
2: Right. Uh, I'm
1: about these processes, right? I and mean, that's mainly we need to start interrogating. Are they doing that? Are they calling out mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. um, Are they accessible? Right? Um, do people, young people even know the housing Legislature, where mm-hmm. is it, where it's situated, mm-hmm. what is its role? Because um, right now we focus on things like popularity is either fighting to keep but we're not interrogating what this chaos actually means for us, right?
2: Right. Is this,
1: you know, is this also a preview as to what is going to happen at a national level because 2024 does look like it's going to be a coalition
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: right? Yeah. But yeah, I think we're derailing a bit. We're going into... Um,
2: no years. absolutely
0: and you know I felt the need to let to let that carry on because we don't have enough of these conversations and it's important that we dispel the myth that ah oh, these are just you know political conversations or these are conversations to be had by certain people of a certain level and it's what you mm-hmm. spoke about when you mentioned access because this is how we begin to engage with the policies that we feel are so far away from from us you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's in conversations like these where you understand that okay maybe it's not as far as i thought it was let me try and reach out and you would be surprised how many people are willing to um to help you because that's the other thing that i have observed especially in communities where um if you are just one person that's complaining about an issue you won't get as much recognition or as much attention but when you start to band together the 3 the 4 the 5 of you and you begin having these conversations and you begin knocking on these doors even though the response you the response you want might not come as quickly but there's a notice, you know, people start to see that okay, there's some noise that is being made by these five young people or these ten young people. So being organized is a very important part of of us moving forward as young people. Um, what would your putting shot be, uh, to, to our listeners as far as the national youth policy is concerned?
1: Look, man, um it's a very important document, um, and it details what the government essentially is trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. It highlights the challenges that we face as young people. Mm -hmm. But it's not just government's responsibility. It's our responsibility as citizens, as civil society, as the private sector, to also uh, you know, strive towards achieving that empowered youth that has information, knowledge Mm and skills, that'll enable them to, you know, take opportunities that, you know, they see fit for themselves. If we do not address the challenges young people face today. We will have bigger problems in the near future. Uh, so let us all take ownership. Right? And I guess we sometimes say, he who thinks the work does not think of it. You might not see the results now, but the results will be there um, mm. for the next upcoming generation. Mm. So let us all do the work, bend together and work towards creating South Africa worthy of our
0: Absolutely, Mr. Masingi, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, we would love to have you back on the show to unpack some more of these policies, but we really do appreciate you speaking to us this, this morning.
1: No worries, no worries. Uh, guys can reach out and maybe uh, can even pop in a visit at the, the station itself. But I appreciate this opportunity.
0: Thank you so much. Seven minutes before eight, right here on Hope Alive Breakfast, that was um, Tamsanga Masingi, and he was just unpacking the national youth policy i told you we are getting in um into you know awareness about things that actually actually matter you are listening to hope alive streaming live from hope restoration ministries kempton park south africa